And we're live with our 100th episode, our 100th, very special 100th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> hey, everybody. And we're back to Earth. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not sure why that just started looping anyway. like that, but whatever. It works. It's yeah. fine. Uh, welcome to the 100th episode, like Ken was saying. Uh, we're excited to be here. We're excited to still be talking, I guess. Um, at first, I wasn't sure if it was the, the 100th real episode or just the 100th episode in quarantine, right? You know, because like the days are the same here over and over again. Um, but we do have a few things to talk about uh, this week. Uh, there's been a lot going on with, uh, I, I mean, even just yesterday, the whole supposed denial of service attacks or whatever was going on to, uh, yeah, uh, to bots, to Ken's got some stuff that's that's popping up. We got to talk a little bit about Midsummer Night's Con because I know that's, uh, there was some, there, there may be some changes going on there as well. So um, we'll just jump straight into it. I know we're, yeah. <clears throat> Um, I think Ken, let's let's kick off with the the Rails session issue or the cookie issue that you were talking about, um, and then we can go from there. Yeah. Well, before we do that, um, okay. Like, I think that there's a couple things to to note. I think it's like um, we'll get the we'll get the link and post it in the show notes. It just popped in my head, but I know in July, I think it's like. So uh, July 12th or a Sunday in July, I don't remember the exact date that we're, um, you and I are going on, is it the Women in AppSec podcast or is it, or it's another one? Hold on, I have to look at the calendar. Sorry. So we don't know the date and we don't know where we're going to be, but we know that we've got something going on in July. So no, let's see. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, let's see. I think I I it's July 12th. We're on OWASP Dev Slop. Right. Yes. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. That how did I think it was because it was during a com I got that kind of messed up because we had conversations going at the same time with two different yeah. groups. So, anyways, yeah. So it's the OWASP Dev Slop team that we're gonna go yeah. on. They're oh, they're also using StreamYard. Cool. So that should be fun. Fun. Yeah. Yep. And I think yeah, in that one, that will be just doing code review walkthrough. Um, I mean, it's an hour, so we'll, we'll compress everything down. We've done it before. Um, but most likely what we'll be doing is pulling up a code base and actually analyzing it um, using our process for doing yeah. secure code reviews as much as we can, right? Like as much as we want to get through. So. Yeah, and then, and then on top of that, we've got, we're still doing Black Hat Virtual, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, still giving the course virtually at Black Hat. Um, I asked Seth cause he's got the account to tell me if we've been canceled or not. So, uh, so yes, we're still on. And then I think, uh, one last thing was, or two last things, sorry, two things. One was we were, we are probably going to submit, uh, or we are going to submit, sorry, uh, the due date's the 30th of this month, but we're going to submit for last con to do training out there, secure code review training. Um, and that's in, I think, October. So I think we should be safe for travel by then, hopefully. You know what? Who knows? We'll see what happens. But worth submitting for because we haven't been to LastCon in a few years. And it's you've never been to LastCon. What am I saying? Yeah, I've never I've never been to LastCon. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, we did get picked up for uh, OWASP Global San Francisco, right? That too, yeah. Um, so we'll see where that one goes. Like everything's just kind of up in the air right now because yeah. we don't know what travel is going to look like. We don't know what conferences are going to look like. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know about you, Ken, but like the the there's been so much virtual stuff coming at me every day that it's almost like, I don't know. I, I feel like things are starting to get lost in the noise, right? Um, I just, like, I don't have a good way to, to, yeah, like to summarize what's actually out there and it would take, right? So we're, I mean, we were talking a little bit about TLDR sec before, right? And how Clint does a great job of summarizing all these different articles and conferences and talks and, you know, research that's going on. But it's almost like at this point, the way that we've shifted to online with all these virtual conferences, like, I mean, Circle City Con was this last weekend, but again, it was virtual, right? But, uh, you know, they're putting out all these YouTube videos from it and we've got so much content that is being streamed to the, the industry at large that I feel like I'm missing things all over the place because number one, there's people not going and not like dedicating time. Like it's really easy to stream something and then not pay very good attention to it, right? You and I both know this from having taught courses, virtual courses in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah, people have a tendency to multitask. Whereas if, I mean, if you're going to Circle City Con and you're sitting in the conference, you're much more likely to pay attention to you know what the speaker is saying. And, and that's not to say that people don't do that, but I, I feel like there's, like it's almost like we, you know, somebody needs to start summarizing everything that's going on, but that's a very difficult thing to do, right? If only there was a podcast that could put yes. out a page. <laughs> no, it's definitely it can't be you or I. We're a little swamped at the moment, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like um, that would be pretty nice. You're right. That would be really nice. Except for I will say, like I, uh, the the be like of course our virtual conference is amazing. But yes. uh, all virtual conferences, I don't, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know, like that. I want to attend every virtual conference that's out there. That was actually the last point, talking point, by the way. Just uh, for news, was that we're, uh, I guess I'll just say it, like we're we're figuring out the. Okay, so there's no surprise with the pandemic that people have had situations arise, and um, we're finding it difficult to. Uh, roll with our original date just because we really specifically wanted, uh, or I should, let me rephrase that. We wanted a very specific set of people. And uh, it's, again, it's, it's just the nature of living in uh, 2020 right now that things might move around. So we're, we're going to meet, figure out if we should just, you know, whenever these things come up, it's usually like best to just go with your original, um, like your vision, even that means the dates have to change. So that might happen. We'll see. We'll keep everyone posted. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'd rather so do something right than do it on time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so that's it. Midsummer Night's gone. Might ne not necessarily be on Midsummer Night's night, but you know, that's, that's what we're hoping for. Um, is that June 24th? But I, I think it may slip a little bit just based over the last couple of days, some of the stuff that's happened with, with some of the speakers. And again, it's going to be a very compressed, um, highly technical, highly curated set of talks. And so, yeah, we want to do it right. That's basically is really what it boils down to. And I know I'm, I'm, you know, I'm ranting about virtual cons and like everything that goes into it, but I do, 
do feel like there is a lot of good content that is coming out. And that that's where I was trying to go with that is I'm missing. I know that I'm missing stuff that I should be paying attention to and that we should probably be talking about because of all the noise that's out there. Um, yeah. Uh, because there is so many virtual conferences, right? Like it used to be that, you know, Hey, there, you know, circle city con was going on. And I know that like more about that one because we actually onboarded them to hacker tracker. And then I'm like, okay, how useful is it to have a virtual conference in hacker tracker and, so I'm like I'm having to rethink what we're doing for DefCon as well, and how we can make the app actually useful. Because it, you know when you don't have to stand in a line, you're not at a conference location, physical location. Is it really something that's you know super needed, or is there a way that I can curate all the video streams or something like that to make it more to make it a better experience? Anyway, no, so, I, I that, yeah. that when you get some like i definitely wish you should go through a recap of what you what like when when you've got something implemented once it's been used by a conference or two and you've got some like information to present to people i think that would be really fun to hear about how you worked around the current limitations with that app so should be yeah. super fun yeah I, I mean the biggest thing has been curating the video right like how, right. how can i how can i pull in these different streams into the application um, for the conference itself. So they don't have to go and, you know, build out whatever, because most of them are streaming through YouTube or through Vimeo or whatever else, like even Discord. Um, but all those streams, it should be easy to pull those, pull those together in one location. So yeah, we, we can get into it. Like once, once I get that settled, that's got to take some dev time on my side. And yeah, <clears throat> it's always a matter of time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So I like like part of me is interested to see what people like if you're listening to the podcast, you know, jump into the Slack channel. What what conferences, what virtual like actual events have you been paying attention to? Like everyone went virtual and we all did, hey, you know, every conference every couple of days and it felt like there was so much in, so much data coming out and so many uh, so much research being presented that now I'm just overwhelmed. So I'm wondering how people actually curate that and decide what it is they're paying attention to, as opposed to, uh, you know, just like your local meetups, right? Um, I have multiple meetups. I, you know, I think about it, you know, over the years, having gone to all these different places and spoken at all these little developer meetups and everything like that, and they're all virtual now. So it's basically on any given night, I can attend a meetup anywhere from, you know, New York city to San Francisco. Right. Um, and they've all got really like good content that's coming out. So again, it's just like, how do you decide what it is that you're interested in and how do you jump into that? So, I mean, Ken, have you been, have you been doing any of these virtual events or did you just let it drop? I mean, I'm busy too. So work takes priority. Um, yeah, I, I did watch, a bit of content. I can't remember. It was in the very more towards the beginning of this whole thing. And I've participated in a few zoom virtual happy hours as well, which has been pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I know that actually speaking of, we've got Michael McCabe and Ken Toller um, coming on the podcast next week to talk about cloud security at scale. The talk that we love from um, DevSecOps days. Why I brought that up is they're doing like an OWASP meetup for our local chapter. They're doing a talk on, uh, on cloud security at scale. So um, I'll be part 
like watching that. Um, uh, but yeah, besides involvement in local things, not so much on the conference front for me, more just like virtual happy hours and little local events, nothing major, just, uh, trying to stay sane and yeah. uh, connected. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Like trying to stay connected with the people that you know, and that you would see on a normal basis. Um, yeah. it's one thing, but that I'd like the other thing that's, that's popped up recently is, uh, like Apple's worldwide developer conference is all virtual this year. Right. I think that's and, the plan for GitHub's. We did satellite and I think that's maybe, I don't know, maybe universe will be that way too. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I'm going to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, no. It, yeah, it may be, but satellite was interesting that way. Right. Like as somebody that is, uh, you know, somewhat tangential to GitHub and even to Apple WWDC, right? Like I do develop apps, but like on the security side, that's not as interesting to me. Exposing that information means, again, there's another there's another stream coming at me that I'm interested in, but I don't necessarily have a good way to curate what's coming out of it and what is relevant to me as a security guy, as opposed to just a general developer or whatever else. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, I don't know. I, like, I don't know where I'm going with all this, but it, it just like I, I'm feeling very overwhelmed with the amount of virtual content that's available, and not sure on, yeah, it, where to spend my time is basically what it boils down to. Feels like my like my spare time has gone gotten even less because of it. Crazy! Wow. Yeah, I you know the internet. I'm pretty myself. I, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, that's been a byproduct, but there, oh man, there was something else I was going to mention that you, when you, something you said, uh, if I remember, I'll come back to it. Cause something you had mentioned was, was like actually pretty interesting crap. I have something related to it as well. Um, anyways, I don't know. It'll pop in my head at some point, but yeah, like I definitely, um, yeah, there's been a lot of virtual conferences. We'll see if they're useful like which ones are the most useful, but right now it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> it's been a struggle. I think we talked about this a few times. Oh, actually there is one thing too, um, to mention that we are. So in terms of guests, we've got, so like I mentioned, Ken Toller and Mike coming on next week, then we've, we, we will have a special guest on once we've got it all locked down, we'll announce, but uh, this special guest is an expert in because the security community has talked so much in the last week or two about um, obviously with black lives matter going on um, that there, and, and not just that, but like things like changing terms and technology, uh, which I know we want to talk about, but I think what it's, it, it, it would, we have somebody who's actually an expert in, uh, in biases and in gender studies, race relations, things like that. And we, they're, Again, I don't want to like put any more information out until it's completely locked in, but they did say yes. So we're in the process of getting that uh, date scheduled. The yeah. other thing is we've got, um, I'm talking to a couple different uh, technology, security technology providers because um, they had reached out and asked for uh, sponsorship to, to sponsor the podcast. And as most people know, we really have said no to all sponsors. So right now, um, the deal is like, I'd rather take your time than your money. So I think that that's, and, and Seth, I say, I, we would rather have your time than your money. So we've, um, we've got two other pretty interesting technology 
companies that we want to hear about their technology products. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like what what's going on with the podcast. But we have so much to get through today, so maybe we should just just jump. <laughs> what do you think? Should we jump right in? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's jump into the Rails stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. Sweet. But, so my boss. But really, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. But really, gonna, what? Yeah. I, really, if anybody like has any good, you know, good locations that they're curating, you know, virtual conferences, please let us know, and we'll tweet. You know, we'll retweet it out. So, all right, jump into the real stuff. Let's go. Sweet. I think it was my. It was my. I believe. I, so I'm going to mention two names from GitHub. Greg Osa, my boss, who was on the podcast. I always like to call them my boss because it makes him uncomfortable when I say that. So I don't know why he's always like, it sounds weird when I'm like my boss, but yes, my manager, Greg Osa uh, was digging in because um, we, uh, there's, there are some companies that are interested in this. I'm sure um, that have a similar setup where we don't want, we don't, we, we have a specific need to prevent cookie tossing. So cookie tossing is like, um, when you're able to overwrite. That sounds so bad, but yeah, go ahead. Cookie tossing. Oh my God, it does. Jesus, I didn't think about that. Oh. I I mean, it's a specific attack. So describe describe what the attack is. Um, Well, it's it's pretty much a I'm super professional today, apparently. So yeah. Well, let's say you had XSS on a subdomain and you wanted to use that XSS to overwrite a uh, cookie on like github.com or microsoft.com or defcon.com. I don't know. I'm just picking things I'm literally looking at on my screen that remind me of different companies. Marvel.com. How about that with the masks? Okay. Let's say whatever you want to overwrite some cookies on that domain from a subdomain. Um, there are protections that there's one specific protection. It's a cookie prefixed um, that you can place uh, on your cooking cookie naming convention. Let me actually type this out because I don't know how many people are familiar with this, but let's say I did this. Uh, some cookie equals ABCD. So I don't get hit by the, they let it go through. Sometimes the YouTube police don't let these things go through. So cool. So that's the kind of the naming convention and what in modern browsers, which is the browsers that we're concerned about, um, the underscore underscore host uh, hyphen is actually a um, prefix read by the browsers that says, look, don't let this, this, this cookie is not to be set or get by any other uh, subdomain or domain. This is uh, just this, this domain that we're on now or subdomain or whatever, whatever, whatever we're on now, that's what can set and get a cookie, nothing else. So that's our protect protection there. Um, that's many, that's everybody. When I say we, that's everybody's protection there. Uh, modern one. The other one is you can also, this is for like to guarantee that cookies are only sent over HTTPS. You can also use this prefix. Um, I'm just going to, not the whole cookie, just put in the prefix. That's under, underscore underscore secure hyphen for those that are on audio only and can't see. Okay. So going back to the underscore underscore host hyphen, um, and really this affects both. Uh, there are more frameworks mentioned than, or there, there are more frameworks vulnerable to this than just this one. But since it's already publicly released for Rails, I'm just going to like put this out. Um, again, this is not to say that Rails is less secure. It's to say that there are multiple frameworks that actually have this issue. Rails is just the one that's first response, responding and being public about it. So Ha! Gaddy. No, anyways. Uh, (laughs) Because everybody always craps on Rails. So yes, I'm going to 
want to shove that at people's face. Rails was first. No, but um, so Matt Langloy on our prod product security team at GitHub and Greg Osa on the AppSec team came together, got uh you see them named in that article. They got um they they got a little mention there. That was nice. And the vulnerability is such that if you, that essentially the rack will allow a percent encoded cookie to overwrite existing prefixed cookie names, right? So <clears throat> that's that's kind of the the, Ken, the, Ken, did the, you post up that link? Did um, I not? I'm not, seeing, I'm not seeing it anywhere. Did the YouTube police get me? Oh, oh I, I did. It's I see it on YouTube. Oh, it's, oh, it's on YouTube. Okay. Where? Oh, I didn't put it in the Slack. Sorry, I should put it in the Slack. That's fine. I, I, I can do that. Just keep going. Keep going. You're good. Okay, cool. Uh, where was I at? So... Okay, so we know that, uh, sorry, it's, po yeah, so it's possible to, to forge a secure host-only cookie prefix in Rack. Um, so the, the, the problem with, so the, the idea is that if you have a percent encoded cookie uh, on the server, it's like seen as valid, but on, you know, like uh, a browser, you wouldn't see that as valid, for instance, as like a host prefix. Um, that's my understanding anyways. So the issue is that uh, you could overwrite effectively a legitimate cookie. So let's say, um, I don't know, like a subdomain, subdomain.example.com has this vulnerability. And, and I'm, I, hopefully I'm not poorly describing this, but let's say it has that vulnerability and you've got some issue that allows that cookie to be um, forged. So imagine that subdomain is able to set now a cookie that will be sent to github.com that is for, uh, you know, it's, it's interpreted by the uh, applications as valid, uh, as a valid cookie value. Um, it will completely bypass that host prefix because the whole idea is that you couldn't get or set on subdomain.example.com and have that cookie sent to example.com and, and example.com look at that cookie's value uh, as valid, sorry, but, um, uh, yeah, effectively, if you were to send off that percent encoded cookie off to say example.com, it was using a vulnerable framework, one of the many vulnerable frameworks, um, it would see that as a, uh, wait, sorry, um, let me reread this. Uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so basically, if subdomain.example.com was able to write, if you had some vulnerability where you're able to get that application to write arbitrary cookies, such as like, uh, I don't know, res uh, response header injection or like or something like that, um, then it would be, you would be able to forge valid cookies that would be able to overwrite domains that you did not think that they could overwrite. You could not, they could get or set. Um, for domains you would not think that that would be possible for. And this is important, and I think it's going to become a bigger thing. That's why I'm kind of talking about even though like all the details are still pretty sketchy um, to a degree. Um, I think that you'll see this come up. I think this is going to be like a big deal for a lot of frameworks because this is the sole mechanism in which a lot of us are preventing uh, the cookie tossing, cookie tossing vulnerability. I know I hear the chuckles from you already there. Set, but this is going to be the primary way that um, 
yeah, these these values are or the, sorry that these uh, this attack is mitigated. So I'm trying to look at the patch now because um, I haven't looked at the patch, so I'm kind of curious what. Well, they I mean, it was yeah, it was interesting just to see the the workaround that was there, right? It, it, mm -hmm. And again, like I, I know we talked about this last week. You know, most fixes that we see are incredibly simple, right? <laughs> um, and like even the workaround is just, hey, you know, when you're parsing your cookies header, let's just unescape these values um, and not allow the, you know, the the percent encoding to to happen. That that's realistically all it does. So the patch itself shouldn't be all that complex. Um, no, it's not. Sorry, let me actually pull it up. Sorry, I'm actually just looking at that. I was, yeah, I let's look at it. We may as look at we may as well look at code, right? We're application security podcast. Yeah, if you're listening, then like, sorry, link. check out the video. Yeah, I was Here, just looking at what they added. Minus They're... minus minus a slash lib slash wrap. Just kidding. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, so that, uh, that's like the main deal then it looks like it's actually in how rack is processing the cookies that it receives. And so um, da, 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 unescape value we were doing, I noticed unescape somewhere here. Uh, okay. So before we parse the header by uh, not regex, that's one change I noticed is that we were, we're splitting now by regex instead of like by string. Um, well, I assume anyways, I assume that's what that's doing um, yeah. since they're passing in a string value. Um, and then, so they parse that and they unescape uh, each of these. So that, this, this right here means that, so when you see this, like these, uh, these, this brace block here, that's like saying, that's the same as doing like a dot each do and then having S and then doing some like multi-line, I don't know, what's S, I don't know, like, do something with S and S is like essentially if it's an array or a hash, <clears throat> it is iterating through key values. In this case, if it's an array, so, so usually if you, uh, if you do go through like a hash, if you're iterating, iterating through a hash and not a, or in Python, it's known as a list, it's going to have two values, like key value. But if it's just an array, it's just going to be like a key value there. And this is going to be what named where I'm just doing this. I don't know how many people know about Ruby. So this is an enumerator right here. Yep. So then after that, um, this is the cookie object that's the result of all of this operation, which essentially should be a um, list that comes back, you would hope, of unescaped, uh, like, whatever values here. Let's assume, uh, basically headers, right? So the processing should have, I guess what if I'm reading this correctly, the URL encoding should, in theory, or decoding, rather, should happen there. So the idea is that if a URL encoded cookie were to reach rack then it would be then it would be um accepted as a legit cookie instead of what the browser sees it as as a non-legitimate cookie because it shouldn't be url encoded and stored url encoded like that yeah so uh, anyway so that means the special characters in i assume the special characters in that host part of that prefix is what gets um, URL encoded. That's that would be my, my assumption. So underscore underscore would be whatever the result of the whatever URL encoded or URL encoded whatever URL whatever underscore underscore is when it's URL encoded or an underscore rather then that would be uh, what it's stored at. If you were looking at it in the browser, that's what it'd be stored as. 
anyways, I don't know with each with object, uh, each width is usually, I mean, it sounds like they're just taking the result of this and each item in the array would be an object. Although they are passing in this uh, hash value, which is usually each with, that looks a little bit like dot inject from uh, Ruby. I'm a little rusty on each with object, but that looks a little bit like dot inject, which is a function where you give it some thing, at, like in this case, a hash, and it's going to um, allow you to quickly enumerate through values and then store it uh, in a way that you want to. So in this case, we're going to iterate through each of the cookies. They have a key value, so it is a hash. Uh, and the hash key is going to equal an array if the array is equal to whatever v is. So v.first. So this is a, what is this, a modulo operator, they call it, when it's um, yeah. you ask a question, whatever the result is, uh, if it's true, then it's this. And then if it's false, it's this. It's yep. Right. So that's what they removed. Um, going into what they added, though, uh, and then it like also returns an empty hash if um, there's no header. So cool. Uh, so here instead, I think the change, what they add is they remove this stuff and we see that they have a header they split with a regex um, and then they perform the same each with object cookie cookies. Um, next, if cookie.empty. So if this, uh, if this is, if the cookie value here, the key is empty, then go to the, the next operation here. We split the key we have a key value that's a result of calling cookie.split. Uh, and cookie.split just takes a string and splits it by what are this, right? So on the front end, you'd have underscore, underscore, host, hyphen, whatever the name is. And on the back end, you'd have the, um, or the second half of that split would be the, the value. Uh, and then the cookies key equals the unescape value. So um, it looks like they're rescuing if, uh, unless there's, Oh, okay, so unless the cookie already has the uh, cookies.key has that key, then the, it's adding that um, value there. So, so to like me, the, this, the interest properly unescaping. Yeah. To me, it looks like they're just trying to properly unescape here and there was some bypass. Yeah. So like it like the issue, like what we're seeing, like the key value. So what you notice from the initial parse query on that is they're splitting um, they're just splitting the cookies based on each of the cookies and then encoding the whole thing, right? Right. Um, so having some of those percent signs in there, especially on the key side of that, like the cookie name side of that, is where you're getting those collisions, right? Right. Um, and so that unescape is actually colliding, like, and so it's making it so you can overwrite those, those cookies for different hosts. Whereas the second case, you're not allowing that. You're only unescaping the value, not the actual mm -hmm. key. So, right. Um, it, yeah, I, I mean, it's a pretty simple fix, all things considered. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like, I, I don't know, like, you know, had I seen those two lines though previously, like if I'm doing a secure code review, um, I don't know if I would have pulled that out of this, right? Um, that's a, it's, it's kind of, it's a pretty, pretty good edge case um, that, like unless I was really versed in cookie tossing, right? And I was concerned about it with this application, I probably would have just moved straight through that. I don't know about you, but yeah. Yeah, I'm curious about something here. Uh... Sorry, I'm just, well, you know, I'll, I'll test that later and we, I don't want to hold up the, but yeah, like that makes sense. So they're just making sure that the, um, 
the cookie key stay, like you said, the cookie key is just staying in in its in its unencoded state so that it can't overwrite existing um, yep. cookies. And I, and frankly, like if you think about it, this is one of those issues where the browser standards and web security standards uh, collide with the like the way that we're we've been doing processing of sessions. And this is a pretty good example of where those just get out of alignment, right? Cause like the whole underscore underscore host thing and underscore underscore secure prefix, those were standards proposed, but not like widely used. And honestly, I don't know, like I'm sure there are plenty of companies where this is a, a, a necessary security thing for them like us, but, um, like protection, but yeah, I don't know how many, how, like this just feels like a new thing, a new wish thing. And, and maybe not everybody has a use case for it. So it's, it's pretty easy to see why a framework would get out of sync on. Yeah. That, that like, I guess attack slash vulnerability. Yeah. Anyways. So that's always fun to do your first code review of a new thing that was just released last night live in front of people. And try yeah. and dissect what all's going on, because you have to remember, even when, even though we've been talking about it, in like casually been mentioned, you know, internally, it's like not even been that. Oh, oh, by the way, geez, I didn't even see this before. Hold on. Yeah, it's a little like it's a little just not widely talked about. So I'm sort of kind of getting some of the the details, and maybe we can have Greg back on to talk through some of this. Um, but yeah, like, so the, the test is pretty interesting, right? It's exactly what. No, yeah. no, yeah, because that's exactly what I'm so, saying. Yeah. yeah. So you see HTTP yeah. cookie and it's got that encoded value there, right? Mm -hmm. um, but because of how the parsing was happening before, it's, you know, it's allowing you to overwrite foo um, with whatever value you want, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that makes sense. So the actual issue is, okay, so the actual issue is, Basically, a rack app. If you were able to get it to forge, um, forge a cookie, forge yep. a cookie. Yeah, interesting. That would be very, very. Huh. I, I'm telling you, I, I, the, what I do know for certain is this is not the only framework that's vulnerable. So, yeah, keep an eye. Well, out that's. That. A, I, I mean, that that always like spins back into kind of the um, some of those other uh, session vulnerabilities, right? Session fixation attacks. Um, Right or, or anything of that of that nature. If we can, if I can pull a value and then pass it along through a subdomain to GitHub.com, and then you use that as your actual credential, like there, there there's there's a potential here to actually lead to session hijacking um, because of how that's actually done. Right? Yeah, you just need the app to reflect back the the yeah. session and then yeah you've got yeah. it setting a valid value so uh, yeah. which is bypassing the whole idea of set get for um uh for these prefixes that's the whole idea so yeah what they're doing so that's interesting cool. anyways i thought that was a fun one uh yeah like there's there's a few other things we obviously want to talk about today um is there anything else on that one before we move on to ebay no i don't think so Cool. And I yeah, mean, we I, will, we, we could probably, by the way, just, yeah, I'll, 
I think we could pretty pretty much we'll talk about the DDoS, but I think we could pretty much summarize the DDoS the DDoS from yesterday as um, it's been alleged it's not a DDoS. But let's uh, pull up the eBay one real quick. Okay, um, finding the article here. I found it. NBC News. Here we go. All right. So if you did not if you did not catch this, oh, I didn't put it in Slack. If you did not catch this one, do you want to talk about this or should I? Give oh, it a overview. Yeah, you you may as well give the overview on it. I think you've got a better handle on it. Well, just the long and short of it was that um, there were six. The FBI's charged six people in within eBay. They're within the security and like privacy. Uh, and <laughs> this is the worst one. Like one's like a director of the, their public safety or or something like that. It's like um, basically it's community safety director who is part of this. So six people uh, charged by the FBI with, there was this couple, they wrote a uh, newsletter that was bashing eBay. The six people within the security side of things inside of eBay um, decided to essentially attack these, these folks. They were ordering crazy things on their behalf, shipping them crazy things all apparently like all times and days of the week uh and it, it, it essentially just off huge harassment but even further they went and like this is where it got really really weird uh well if that wasn't weird enough they also like they told them that they were gonna they were gonna help this these folks so they reached out the security team reached out to these folks who they were harassing to say look we're trying to like stop this on your behalf we're trying to help you I think they referred to it the news referred to it as like a white knight strategy or something like that uh-huh. it it's bananas it like the whole thing is the thing and to have your director of privacy or of uh sorry community safety doing that is just well like bananas. this is yeah yeah it, i mean this goes back to like mob style tactics right like yeah. of you know, it, it'd be a shame if your store burned down, right? You better pay us for protection. Uh, like that, that's honestly what it feels like if you read through that article is, and like what, what amazes me is like so many kind of high level, high level senior managers at eBay were involved with this, right? It wasn't like, um, you know, one little like rogue group of whatever technologists or whatever like you know embedded in one team that were going after a a a newsletter that was somewhat detrimental to ebay but even then like i i'm yeah. amazed that that ebay or like anyone at ebay would even worry about something so innocuous right there, there's so much crap online about all you know, like every single company that's out there what is it that made them target this one small newsletter? Right. I, like, I just, I don't get it. Yeah. Yes. I don't get it either. I, uh, Ooh, hold on. There's, I did. Now I put the article and apparently I just sent it to you in Slack. No. <laughs> oh man. I'm not the smartest, but it's crazy. They used, they used this. This is the quote I'm trying to copy and paste over here, but it's like, again, I'm having some issues issues but yeah so this is a crazy thing so it says all the while they were hiding so they were using burner phones they were uh using overseas email accounts prepaid debit cards with cash which by the way is man if you ever i guess this is a side note if you ever deal with um 
on the security side, I've dealt with this on the AppSec security side of things where we had to, there was, it was like an online, I don't want to say the name of the company because I don't know, like, I won't say the name of the company, but long, the, the sort of summarized version is it was an online commerce only through like mobile app website. And um, they actually had a huge issue with fraud with prepaid debit cards. And that is like a whole, I feel like we could bring on an expert to talk at length about, about fraud, about prepaid debit cards being used as part of fraud. I mean, coupon schemes, like there's some crazy stuff that goes on and I think it's fascinating. I would love to find somebody who would be willing to talk about it that's an expert in it. But yeah, I mean, like it's just the depth, the depths they went to and, and I don't get the reason it was because they were like, like not happy with how these, this couple of people talked about eBay. Yeah. I, <laughs> like uh, honestly right and this wasn't that long ago you know oh. company first notified 2019 right like so it was last year and i'm, I'm like your ebay what, what what is this like what is it that they're trying to cover up here or what is it that they're they think they're preventing um oh my god they went to they went to their house to install GPS. Tra- they were they were planning on putting a GPS tracking device on the car, the car of the couple. The plan was foiled when the victim spotted the group of former eBay employees and contacted the police department. Man, and this is like this is one of those things that kind of like because um, I mean I think it's no stranger that there's been a lot, which is another article that we were, we were planning on talking about. There's been a lot of like um concern about tech companies sort of uh and their involvement in a lot of things from privacy to politics to whatever um and you know which is like the whole point about having people that are focused on community and safety and 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 things of those nature and like ethical you know practicing and and abiding by ethical standards like this is i think this is a time where that's more important than ever and to hear the ebay like you, i guess one thing i wanted to really highlight is just though that um from a from a leadership perspective if one person is a bad apple that's one thing but it, but if we are saying six people within a department or multiple departments all maybe maybe they're all under security, but like multiple, you know, departments within security there, that seems like there's a, there's a real toxic, uh, toxicity issue there with leadership. That seems like it, it, it would be like a workplace thing. It would be like, this is our culture. If it's six people. Yeah. I don't like, and even like, you know, I don't know, you go to that website that it mentions in the article of like, this is where they were posting, posting eBay articles. And it's not like anything, I don't know. I mean, maybe we have to get back to whenever these articles were posted that they're really worried about. Right. But I, I mean, it, it, it feels like it's just a, you know, it's just someplace that's generating content, right? It's a content generator that they're looking for, you know, publishing ads on a blog, trying to make some money around things. It's semi-interesting, but nothing that, Nothing that the CEO or like the the head of safety and security at eBay, I would think would be worried about, right? Yeah. Anyway, no. yeah. 
it feels bananas. I mean, I'll tell you right now, people have for sure, uh, for sure, especially if you're a large size company, for sure, people have seen on Twitter bash yeah. companies that I have worked for that are big or work for, whatever, because they're unhappy with things. I mean, like when the Microsoft acquisition of GitHub went down, I saw many of my own friends um, having surprising reactions to it. Um, anyways, and like that's, uh, that, uh, I think for normal, well-adjusted people, who cares? That's how you feel, man. Like that's, who cares to have a group of people that feel like they need to, to go this route. It's just to me, it speaks to, it speaks volumes about the importance of having good hiring practices, proper leadership in place. And, you know, all those things that we, we would expect a company to have. I just don't understand how something like this goes. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, I'm looking at the site itself and realistically, you know, they, I mean, most of the news around eBay is like, oh, they made an update to the user agreement. Oh, they're doing a survey about like diversity. You know what I mean? It's not like, uh, yeah, this got way out of control yeah. um, and should never have gotten to that point. And the, the, the people that were involved are the ones that probably should have shut that down. Um, yeah. 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 Was it the one 51 year old manager and then the then three team members? I, I don't know. I think so. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not really sure. It seems really strange, like the whole thing. So um, there's yeah. definitely more questions and answers right now, but. Uh, I think anyway. the behavior is pretty, it's, it's definitely like, yeah, it, it, I don't, I just don't understand. Like, that seems like, man, I, I don't know. You have to be, I feel like you have to be like mentally unwell to go this route. I really do. You know what I mean? Like, and how do you find six people all together that are, I, but again, it's people do weird stuff when they're, when they feel like it's, that's why the culture is so important. You gotta be careful who you hire and who you, who's hiring, you know? Yeah. So, anyways, I don't know. They ordered everything from live spiders, a box of cockroaches, pig mask, sympathy wreath, and a book. Oh, wow, man. It just random stuff, anyway. Super uh, random stuff. But it's all, it's all to be, yeah. To be yeah. threatening, right? Like, that's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's bizarre. Bizarre. Anyway, people are strange, I guess. I, yeah, I don't know what else to get at. Yeah, they are. Um, I don't know. Do we want to go into like, oh, wait, I think somebody wrote something. Let me check that before I go, move on. Mentally unwell, peer pressured. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, yeah, it's just got to be like a really effed up environment. That That's the only <laughs> thing I can think of. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm with Ken there too, right? Like the, there's got to be, there's something odd going on. And we don't have the full story, right? Like, I wonder if it's going to come out eventually. Um, I mean, the re the real reason we're talking about it is probably just because it, you know, it's eBay related. Um, mm. But, but again, like I, 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 you know, we talk about trying to find a culture fit and finding an organization that supports your values and you feel good about what they're doing. Um, that's yeah. part of it, right? Like, you know, every process, like even when going into your first job, and I know you're like, uh, you know, you're super concerned about 
just finding a job in a lot of cases, but you got to remember that you're interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you. So totally. Yeah. 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 You have to, I'm very cautious now. Um, after previous stuff, I'm very cautious now of where I work and, you know, it's like, even with the, um, like, you know, speaking of people being publicly outwardly, not super happy. I mean, we've definitely, I think it's, I think it's no stranger to anyone listening or who's been on Twitter recently that people are not super happy with. Again, the continued contract that um, GitHub has with ICE. But yeah. at the end of the day, one thing I can definitely assure everybody is that that, that communication continues on um, internally. There is one thing I love about the company um, is, is just the continued focus on social activism um, on helping underrepresented groups, the ethics, um, I feel like are like, I, I feel good about where I'm at, even if that's something some people don't agree with. Um, you know, there's still a lot of other things that GitHub is doing constantly daily to try and help out. And, and, and I'm not saying that because like, I want, you know, it's like, I'm just saying I, I, the, when I work somewhere, that's what I look for. Now I look for a place that um, is conscious about their involvement, especially for tech companies, because I think there's like an, an, uh, the importance of tech companies and like their role in in politics, their role in advancement of human society, of communication. I think it's so important, and there's so many ramifications, and you just got to like try to be try to be choosy about where you go if you can. You know, if you've, you've got that, yeah. people, that's a luxury, and if you've got it, yeah. use it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch from the, the outside, right? You know, some of that that's gone over the last week. Um, and I know we're going to get into the whole allow list, deny list, you know, the change from master to main that GitHub did, um, which, yeah, you I mean, know. And I think even yeah. then we realized maybe we're not the best people to give those opinions. And that's why we're finding somebody that's actually the best person yeah. to have those opinions, you know? And, and so yeah. that's, that's actually studied it and, you know, has talked to people that are affected or, you know, Phil, Phil, you know, whatever, like oppressed or I, I don't know. I don't even know how, how to describe it. Right. Like, yeah. So we'll get into that. I'm sure within a, you know, the next couple of weeks and, you know, maybe we'll do a special episode or maybe we'll just slice out some time next week for it, but we're still figuring that out. So, yeah, we didn't, we, we kind of, we didn't want to just give hot takes. Cause like, that's not, this is too important for that. So we're, we're going to, like, like we said, we're, we're, we're locking down an actual expert to come on and talk about this. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, cool. there's two other things to talk about, by the way, the, the first one is we could just get it out of the way. The yesterday, I think it was yesterday. Everybody was kind of like, Oh, uh, uh, you know, having issues with T-Mobile and there were some pretty graphs that came out indicating it might be a DDoS attack. And obviously I don't really know one way or the other, but publicly it's been um, by T-Mobile by and speculated by uh, various security experts. Uh, that's what the, the articles I've read say. They don't really point to who, um, <laughs> the, at least the ones I've read. But apparently it's being called a misconfiguration, in, which I don't know, man. I totally can, I can, you know, I can totally see that. It just being a misconfiguration that was pushed out and caused network issues so that 
people were having issues with voice and data over the T-Mobile networks yesterday. And I mean, they were claiming that it was like T-Mobile. It was, I think Fortnite was lumped in there. There were a few. Yeah. There was quite a few, right? Um, Right. I passed you. So, well, okay. This is always the interesting thing, right? Like, I I mean, I know we have a tendency to jump on that, especially because we expect those services to be up all the time. But having been on a security team and watching the security engineers do things and been involved with, oh crap, I thought I was in, you know, the QA instance and I was in prod and I pushed a configuration and just dropped half of, right, like half of our customers. It like, it, like I felt bad for the guys on the T-Mobile side because you know it was something unintentional completely, right, that, that, that occurred. And then most likely the other services, like the, the increase in traffic was replay because those services are down, all of a sudden your system starts to send more traffic because it's not responding, right? Um, yeah. Well, the cloud so they, player co-founder, by the way, said that, so they actually have the CEO uh, and co-founder of Cloudflare, Cloudflare uh, confirming this. Yeah, that they were making some network changes and it went badly, right? Like, I, I, I mean, like, as a developer, have you ever pushed out a, a bad build? Yeah, like everyone has. So, like, well, yeah. when I worked at Charter Communications, in so I lived, I lived in Reno. You know, I you know this, but for those that don't know, I lived in uh, not too far from Reno. We'll just say Reno, um, and worked at Charter Communications, and I worked in a map, what they call Master Head End. Have you heard of Master Head End before, Seth? Like, it's really just where all being that term, anyways. I don't know if you've heard, but that's really just where all the yeah, you're just feeding the internet to like city, both business and residential. It's like. That's like the main hub spot routing and yeah. switching. So we worked in there. So I was, um, I was pretty junior at the, that point in my career. And what we would do is to make even the most simplest of configuration changes, you actually had to get it reviewed by like two peers, then reviewed by your manager. And then it's like reviewed. We sent it off to like some central, um, I don't know, to be honest with you, I really don't to this day know who the like central command people were, but they would also then review the config. So you had like at least four different people reviewing these configuration changes because it was so easy to make a little change that had a cascading ripple effect. Ooh, I almost spilled my water. Almost like brings down the whole area. Like if we screwed up in that room, like Reno would have been down and probably neighboring, you know, zones. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. And I, and I'm sure like half the time that I complain about Comcast, I know something like that has gone, you know, <laughs> wrong or, you know, somebody made a slight misconfiguration and I realize that, but it still doesn't make it any less painful. Right. And, and that's why it gets such play, right? Like, Oh, like there's a, there's a huge denial of service attack. Yeah. But basically T-Mobile denial of service themselves. Right. That's yeah. You know, you're absolutely right in using that terminology, but it's not malicious. It was unintentional. Um, so I don't know. It's like unintentionally it, it, distributed. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is like, you know, anybody else that's having, you know, some sort of slowdown or like whatever else at the same time gets lumped into it. Cause who, who else? It was Fortnite. Who else was listed? Yeah. Sprint. 
Um, it was like four I'm, or five others, but gosh, I yeah. just had it up. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was a bunch of um, AT and T, Sprint, T Mobile, Verizon, Netflix, Chase, Facebook, Instagram, Google, Zoom, Hulu, Fortnite, and other organizations. So a bunch that they thought were all being DDoSed. Yeah. Yep. But it happens. It totally happens. Um, I still, sometimes I, 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 lo- I loved ri- SWAT. I keep messing that up. I loved switching and routing. That's a really fun thing. And like, yeah, I don't know why I'm bringing that up, but it really is interesting. Cause you can, you can, things can go wrong pretty, pretty easily, especially with like BGP. Yep. And like that gets wild when you talk about on a global scale, various like, uh, connections. Yep. And you're trusting like all of these main like routers to tell you what they're responsible for. And like, you've got pathway pathways between different routers. Uh, yeah. It's the fact that the internet works is amazing. Right? It is. That's, that's, that's really what it boils down to. If you've ever looked at that core infrastructure and the same thing goes with DNS, right? Like you get to a certain level and you're like, really, really? Yeah. We're depending on these like, randomly manual processes to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that's how we set it up for the ARPANET 35 years ago and it still works. Right. You know, uh, so, I mean, there's, there's there, and there's, uh, you know, working groups that are working, you know, fixing some of that and upgrading it to modern things. But a lot of that infrastructure is still pretty, pretty fragile, more fragile than most people realize. Yep. Yep. It's, it's really, it's like duct tape and it's yeah. blue. It's, and yeah. like when you actually dig down into like who owns the global DNS and who like manages global DNS and the who manages, it gets a little weird and funky. And it's like, that actually is like a global, like it's a global glo- It's like, how do I say it? It's like a, it's almost like a global peace treaty in a way, in the way oh, that yeah, like I can, yeah, in yeah. the way that we just recognize. Yeah, I mean, if you know somebody in a, a different com- country decided, no, 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 like we want that like top level domain and just started taking it, we're yeah. just like basically it would blow everything up, right? There's there's, there's all sorts of weirdness like that that goes on, um, which is also. Uh, there's another article that I was just reading that I want to talk about, but I don't know if we've got time today. Um, yeah. It's, I don't care. I mean, they, cause they like, yeah, it's, let's, let's just finish okay. off with your article. Okay. So, <laughs> cause so we do have another thing, but like it can be pushed off. Like that, that's not a big deal. We can push off the other thing. Yeah. It's journal of here. Let me throw it to you, Ken. All right. Um, it, it's, it's, it, I know it looks like a random link, but it's like a, uh, an actual, like, um, journal of information and technology and politics. So they're looking at it from a different lens than security. Um, but basically it's talking about like, th- this speaks directly to it, how threat reporting by us as an industry, by the cybersecurity industry, right? Like upper underrepresents the actual threats to civil society um, because we are so focused on and, you know, and just go read the abstract because it's really interesting. And I know, Ken, that we didn't talk about this, but it popped up and yeah, whatever. Um, so it talks about the fact that we're so focused as a, as a cybersecurity industry on 
basically technical threats and threats against like firms that are, are paying us to, you know, keep out the bad, right? That we actually underrepresent the threats that are, um, that are legitimate threats that are there against civil society in general, right? Um, and specifically, it calls out like this, the um, a prominent dissident in, in Saudi Arabia and how it got infected by spyware from, from the, the government there. Um, and like, I go back to threat models that we do, right? When, I, when I'm looking at an application, I'm doing a threat model to see, hey, who is it that actually is going to attack this, attack this application? I know we always give lip service to na- nation state actors, but we never really dig into it. And that's really the point behind this article is, you know, as authoritarian regimes, as, you know, other people in power get access to technology, we misre- we as an industry industry actually misrepresent the threat of that to people to organizations because of I, like I take it as um, the fact that it's due to the way that we that we're paid the way that we actually go about this right like learning about the industry is we're very embedded in these like large organizations initially or even like small to medium sized businesses they don't take into account the threat of those nation state actors because it's not something that they can do anything about within the budget that they have. And so we underreport what actually that threat is. Uh, and that's what the article is going into, right? Is basically, hey, we underreport the actual threat to our institutions and citizens specifically because of because of where we're at and how we're how we're actually being paid, so it's I, I don't know like what you're thinking. Of. Yeah, I know. I think it's pretty interesting because the lone uh, dissident that they talk about in the opening paragraph reads so much like the accusations that were thrown around with Jeff Bezos and his um, like it's literally the same exact thing. Like his, uh, I think it was Saudi. They he thought the Saudi prince using Saudi intelligence. Uh, installed malware on, through WhatsApp on his phone or through a backdoored WhatsApp, well, WhatsApp being backdoored or something along, or a malicious payload through WhatsApp because of a backdoor. I can't remember. But anyways, I know that Jeff Bayett, that was the original belief and accusation. And then I believe it was retracted. I think we even talked about it on this podcast having been retracted, but just reading that first paragraph and then that like those two things, um, have some parallels in them. And so, um, yeah. So to recap, I think what are are you, is what you're saying, maybe I'm not understanding is what is what you're saying that they're, they're, we're, we're reporting as an industry on critical infrastructure on like larger or targets of organ organizations that are targets and not necessarily the individual, the individuals that are, we're not focusing or reporting on individuals that are attacked through various governments. Is that what you're saying? Or is it, I, uh, or is that yeah. what it's saying? I, yeah. That's what, that's what it's saying. Um, but like, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm, yeah, you're, I'm necessarily like making my point that well today. Um, realistically, it, uh, I definitely am guilty of this on how I report 
threats to an application because I'm so oh. focused on the te technical aspect. I see. Right. Um, so I don't, and like, granted, we're not necessarily paid to go and think about like nation state level threats, right? We're, we're just not, there's people like in, in other divisions and, and governments and maybe even some like think tanks that have more to do with this. Mm. Um, but in general, I definitely underreport like what I consider to be nation state threats because I don't think that the, the industry at large and most of these companies that I deal with have the funds to protect themselves against it, right? Um, I, I do think there's some, like, so we don't necessarily talk about the threats when we probably should. Right. I, I know, I know there's, there's definitely safety in numbers. Like we, we talk about like using AWS or Cloudfront or, you know, Cloudflare, like these, these large organizations that protect against some of this because they have pulled all of these different companies behind them. And so they're probably dealing with it at a different level, but we don't necessarily talk about that, right? Like, Hey, you know, yeah. I'm dealing with this organization. Yeah. What? But, but think about why. Think about yeah. why. Like, if you if you you're cons you do consulting services, right? And and we've been doing consultant services, you and I, for a long time. When other uh, other than the cases where, and I would all I would put all the money betting that Stefan has definitely come across these customers who are they have yeah. their specific need is to address nation state attacks they need to make sure that um it, like even if it's a threat to just the one single loan user potentially through a very convoluted complex set of things like it needs to be reported because that's what they're specifically paying for and i would bet you that him trail of bits those they probably get those types of customers on the whole though most paying customers they would roll their eyes at those types of findings in a report though they're not concerned with that. They're like uh, nation state, whatever, man. I'm like some, I sell widgets and graphs and uh, I just want to make sure that I'm not going to end up on like my list of users being posted to pay spin and, and end up on the news. You know, that's their yeah. real concern. So you, 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 you as a consultant end up having to, you know, as a cybersecurity firm, right? You report on what, you're asked to report on. I, I'm not going to sit there if you tell me I have one week to complete this thing, and you're just you just want me to look for any dangling high severity fines, which is ultimately what most companies seem to want when they 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 walk in the door um, for a, for an assessment, or at least like you know when you talk through all the various options, they're like what's the cheapest, fastest checkboxy, you know, oftentimes, right? And, then, and that's not every customer, but like most of the time, that's just not what they're interested in. So I, I would say, I would say it's not a necessarily only a bias of the security community. I would say that that bias is based off of customer influence heavily. That would be my opinion, not my hot take. It's probably influenced by money and yeah. needs. But no, I, I mean, it, it definitely is, right? And so like, I don't know if the article, uh, yeah, I need to dig into it some more, but like I, I, I'm not sure the. Like their point was basically that it was under we were un, actually underrepresenting what that threat was to civil society, but I like I'm with you. It, it's 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 a it's a result of how we're paid as cybersecurity in you know firms, 
and what the companies are looking for, right? Um, so, yeah. And Tyler brought up a good point about maybe we're just not communicating effectively the um, importance of a, like an, or the, maybe not communicating the vulnerability and its importance properly. And I think you could probably make that, I think you could probably make that argument definitely in some cases. And I also think you could say in many cases though, that like, it's really just, it's hard enough, dude, it is hard enough. It has been in the past hard enough to get a dev to give a shit about SQL injection. That's error-based, very, very, very scary. Like you can do things like, okay, but how many people are going to know how to do that? Well, not a lot of people, but you know, I mean, like that tools, a tool to exploit that's publicly accessible on the internet. And is that the point? Are you trying to go for your $3 million or 3 million uh, customers and like uh, prevent against what they know or the, 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 the one like person that woke up that day, drink a cup of coffee and was like, let me run SQL map on your site, you know? So yeah, I would say it's maybe I'm a little bitter, but it's, it's probably a mixture of both. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. He said, like Ken also brought up the, the MITRE attack framework, right? That people are starting to ask about that and how things like where those attacks are coming from. I, but I, I mean, I go back to it cause I know, like, you know, that I've done threat models and like security reviews for uh, large like I, I'm thinking about the, the one time that this really became an issue and we had a big discussion on it for a large cell phone manufacturer, right? And I, like it was a very interesting topic because they were concerned, like it was the, the two things that they were concerned about were fraud, right? Somebody being able to do like SIM cloning and like easily actually, you know, jump onto somebody else's account and use that and nation states, right? Um, as far as, hey, how could someone get access to this device and start listening to things, right? And, um, but that was very specific to an organization to the threats that they saw um, as relevant to them. Hmm. Uh, most other places, to Ken's point, you know, or your point, right? Like that if I bring up, hey, guess what? There's somebody in, you know, the Russian SFB, FSB or whatever it is that could, you know, take advantage of this to, you know, attack all of your customers of your little website, you know, that most of them would be like, uh, okay, that's not the real threat that I'm concerned about. Right. So. Yeah. Anyway. No, I didn't know. I didn't know that people are asking about that more and more now about the attack chain and that MITRE had, uh, had made that sort of thing that game. I like, you know, yeah, I don't know if that's, that, that's, What's that? Have you, you played with that framework at all or, you know, done anything with it? Sorry, you broke up. I did not catch a word you just said. Or oh, I'm breaking up, one you, of the two. Oh, it's, it might be me. Hold on, let me see. Now we're, we're to attack MITRE.org, right? I just posted that link. I wondered if you had had looked at that framework yet, or if it was anything that you. Oh had. yeah, yeah, okay. I looked at it. Yeah, I looked at that before. Let me put okay. this in here. There we go. Cool. Yeah, I've looked at this before, for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting way to classify, you know, exploits that we see. Right? Is where's it coming from? 
I don't know. I like, you know, it does feel like we've been talking about impact for a long time. Um, mm. But, you know, the threat itself to the application that you're looking at, the people, the users of the application, you know, is that something that we need to consider? Maybe, I, maybe, right? Go read the article. It was just very interesting to me. To, yeah, to I tried back. giving it while we were talking and trying to listen to you as a priority and then try to, and I was like, all right, I, I'm like, can't do this. So, okay. All right. Well, we'll take that one online because we've been going for over an hour again, even when we're like, oh, we don't know necessarily what we're going to talk about today. But yeah, that's, this is how it happens, right? We roll yeah. from, you know, bots and yeah, whatever to the MITRE attack framework. So, yeah. Well, again, to, to, to sort of recap, um, for those that have did not stick with us the full hour and 12 and a half minutes, uh, next week we will have Ken Toller. We will have Mike McCabe on the podcast, uh, talking about the cl- cloud security at scale. And, and you're probably in case you're wondering, you know, like, cause there's obviously a lot of cloud security talks. What I think I loved theirs. I loved that talk, Seth. And it was because they they <laughs> they took what is the the, the all, all of these talks what they what they talk about all that kind of like the, the um like the ideal scenarios and the cool tools and all that stuff. And they're like, all right, let's break it down by business type and let's get practical. Let's get realistic. Let's see what and they use actual like changed to protect the innocent or guilty or dependent uh, scenarios. It's super awesome. Like I really can't wait for next week to hear them talk a bit. So on that, so that's, that's next week. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, good. Then we'll catch everybody online. Um, and looking forward to that next week. Maybe we can talk some more about, you know, nation state threat actors uh, against the cloud, because that could be interesting <laughs> as well. But um, Yeah. Find us online. Let us know what you're doing to curate content. And we'll talk to everybody again soon. Thanks for joining us for the 100th episode.